Hello, hello, hello. Hello, Welcome back to another episode of Love at First Psych, a Psych First Watch Rewatch podcast. I'm your host, Jay Christie, and my co-host, you can hear, echoing me in the background, because I do the same intro every time, I don't change it, is Andre Brera. Andre, how are you? First of all, Merry Christie and Happy New Mm -hmm. Year uh, Mm -hmm. to you and Mm -hmm. to whoever's listening to this. Um, This is the second episode we've recorded after the New Year, but fine. Was it? Yeah. Yeah, it's been a weird time. Yeah. Apologies um, for the sporadic recording, but to be frank, it's hard to, to record to us this weekend. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's especially during this time. You're out of town. I had things come up in my personal life. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I can't record on Thursday either because I'm going to be in Palmdale, which is probably the worst oh. place you want to be in. in You're visiting uh, Paul George's family? Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm tampering. Uh, no, mm-hmm. I have to go for a, ho- uh, a work. Uh, I, w- I would figure. Uh, but yeah, how, how are things there? I see you're wearing a sweater. Is it chilly in LA tonight? Oh yeah, it's chilly. It's a nice balmy, uh, what is it? 53 right now? It's actually only a little mo- bit cooler in New York right now. Yeah. In the mornings when you wake up, it's a nice like 42 degrees. Yeah. Here. That's what it would be. Actually in New York, it's actually warmer. It's 54 degrees right now in New York. It's warm, but it is a crazy downpour like a lot of the lower areas in Manhattan of New York having I've heard. Work, so I've heard, yeah, I actually yeah. a situation I left work early today because they're like we the office emptied at like 4 15 because there's like we're not gonna have people get stuck do you have food at home yeah you know I'm fine also the funny thing is when they said that it's like okay but my, I because I, they're they were doing that out of courtesy for people who like live on Long Island because they have like an hour and a half commute I'm like my commute is 25 minutes <laughs> I'll, be, I'll get home uh but yeah no yeah. I'm fine um anyway we're here to talk about that. We're here to talk about the season four finale of Psych. Mr. Yin presents part two of three in the uh, Yang saga. Uh, so officially, after this, we're halfway through, right? I I think that that's true. I don't know if that. I think it's. I think we're actually technically season more wise. halfway through because yes, season wise because I think there are only thirteen episodes in season eight, but also only thirteen in season one. So I don't know. Who's to say? Yeah. Okay. There's, way, also three mo- there's also three movies, so, you know. Um, we're covering those? Yeah, well, we're not going to cover the psych movies? I'm just asking. asking I mean, it's going to be three extra, three extra episodes. I mean, what, it's we're already doing like 120. What's the difference? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, but anyway, we start off with uh, Sean is outside a movie theater with Henry. Henry's dropping him off when he's a kid. And he looks like he's going to see The Little Mermaid. Um, and why? Did you, did you pick up on why Gus isn't there? Because uh, he has an aversion to Rene Aubergenois. Aubergenois, yep. Aubergenois. Is he like, what is he, the priest? No, he is the uh, the chef, the French chef. I oh, think, okay. right? Fine. I have no idea. Aubergenois is... I know that he was like the guy on like uh, Boston Legal. He was the other partner. I just... Yeah, Chef Luis. I understand that he's a prestigious actor. Oh, he was a prestigious actor. But when I Google him, in his top line on Wikipedia, it should say that he, he plays in The Little Mermaid. Because, like, that's what people are looking up. Um, anyway. Uh, but it turns out he's not actually seeing uh, Little Mermaid. He's actually seeing Psycho. Now, this is the thing I need to put my cards on the table right now. I have only seen two Alfred Hitchcock movies in my life. Uh, one of them is Psycho. but So I don't have a lot of... Like, I know the I'll- references generally, but... I'll do you one better. I've only seen one. Is it Psycho? No. Yeah, I've seen the remake. One? Oh, which which uh, which movie did you see? Um, Rear Window. Okay, I've seen Psycho and Rope. Um, and both of those movies I saw within the last like ten months. So I actually watched Rope a couple weeks ago. Uh, because I'm I got I got a Criterion. I got a Criterion subscription. I gotta watch it because all, all basically every Hitchcock movie is on Criterion, so they don't have an excuse. Um, yeah, I'll get there. The, yeah, the Criterion, by the way, that's a good deal, by the way. It's actually, it's, it's like five bucks a month. It's actually a pretty good deal. Um, really? Do they have yeah, an app actually, or is it just like a website? Yeah, it's a website. I think there's an app for TV. Yeah, there's an app for TV. Okay, um, I, might, I, need, yeah. I might need to do that. And like they randomly will have like pop. It's not all just like artsy shit. Not that that's like, speaking of Rachel E. Cook, uh, this weekend, they have a collection of Parker Posey movies. So I watched Josie and the Pussycats for the first time, which is Loki a masterpiece. I didn't realize that. But it is. Wow. And so they have like they have like normal like it's not all just, you know, new wave and classic cinema. Um, is that Doug Lyman? Josie and the Pussycats? No. It's um I forget their names. The people who did Can't Hardly Wait. And then they because Josie and the Pussycats was a huge bomb, they never directed another movie again. Um Oh, you know. Alphon and Kaplan. Yeah. Sad stuff. But anyway, he go he's gonna see Psycho. And then we do a fade to uh 
the present day where Sean is going to meet Gus to see Psycho as well. Um, he apparently showed up very late, which as a big movie goer, I find very rude. And I know he's Sean Spencer, but what are you doing, man? You can't show up 30 minutes late to a movie. I wouldn't even bother. <laughs> I wouldn't even bother. Yeah. It, it's just like, I know that now you can show up 30 minutes late to a movie because like there's like 20 minutes of previews and like five yeah. minutes of like movie theater previews or like movie theater mm-hmm. commercials. Mm-hmm. So you can do that. That's not a problem. But like at the time, yeah. Don't bother. No, so because it's it's also it's the thing about it is it's a film like a rep festival, so there wouldn't be all those. It's not in a movie, like you know, if you go to like you know, oh, I don't know if, yes, I mean you, you live in LA, so I assume you've gone to rep screenings. Like you don't, you you can't show up late <laughs> to a what screening? A rep repertory screening. That's when they show a movie that's an old movie, like not a new theater. It's like well, I don't think I've ever seat. done that in my life. Oh wow! I mean, you, there are two cities in the country where you can reliably do that, and we each of us. I don't do that. I just don't. I mean, I've, I've only done it twice. I went to a rep screening of Ocean's Eleven at the Metrograph, which was great. Yes, and then, I take it back. And then, and then I saw. We talked about this when I went to uh, Lincoln Center, the Jules Theater, uh, right near Juilliard, uh, that they showed a seventy millimeter print of Boogie Nights. So, you know. Yeah, the only one I watched like that is uh, Suspiria at the Vidiots. Mm. Um, yeah, Vidiots is a lot of yeah, yeah. I yeah. am, yeah. So, yeah. okay, also, by the way, um, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, shit. It was something about that kind of thing. Alfred Hitchcock, Psycho, Rep Screenings, Ocean's Eleven. Uh, now I lost it. Anyway, Sean spills his drink on someone wearing a hat. That's not important. Let's move on. Uh, and if there's a, all Sean cares about is the shower scene in Psycho, which is like, that's like, yeah, that's the scene. What are you talking about? Yeah. Um, and yeah, okay, so screw- in the remake, it was Anne Heche, right? It was correct. And then who takes over for the rest of that movie? Uh, I haven't seen it. I know that Vince Vaughn plays uh, Norman Bates. I don't know who's correct. the. I don't know who's the Martin Balsam part. Let me see. Um, I'm checking. Uh, oh, Viggo Mortensen. Did not remember that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, that's just, I got to watch. Honestly, I might watch that tonight. Because I'm fascinated by that as a concept. Like, uh-huh. I'm I'm someone who's like... I mean, that's Ghost Van Sand, too. It's not yeah, like some fucking... Exactly. exactly. Oh, no, sorry, no. Viggo Mortensen plays uh, her lover. It's... Um, uh, what's his... Um, what's the private investigator's name? It is... Um, oh, Bill Macy. William H. Macy. Oh. It plays. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, I, one of my za- uh, my one of my newer Zag opinions is I think that people get too mad about remakes. Um, especially because remakes are like one of the oldest things in Hollywood. You know, like, they were remaking yeah. movies from the 40s and the 50s. <laughs> so I'm just not really that concerned about it. So, okay, Julianne Moore is the one that comes in the second half? Uh, one of them. I mean, but the main, the yeah, it's. I mean, Mary Crane's the one that gets killed in the in the yes. shower. That's Anne Hirsch. Yes, yes. And her sister comes to investigate along with Hugo yes. Mortensen. Yes. No. No. Along with uh, William H Macy. William H Macy. Sorry. Yeah. Viggo Mortensen plays uh, Anne Hirsch's lover. Yeah. I see. Okay. Wait. Wait. Whoa. 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 Flea. What is that? I gotta watch it. Yeah, I gotta what watch it. Has. Flea. Wow. I gotta watch it. Uh, Philip Baker uh-huh. Hall. Jesus Christ. This movie is. Woof. Gus Van Sant was cooking with something. Anyway, so um, then they learn he goes Sean as they're outside. They go to the trivia that Alfred Hitchcock's in all of his movies, and then Sean says he's obsessed with Japanese household slippers. But then they run into the most important character in the episode, Mary Lightly. Um, were you missing Mary Lightly by any chance? Were you you know you felt no. like the show was missing a little Jimmy Simpson? I love Jimmy Simpson, but no, not really. So they go get some pie, and we learn the fun fact that he got his first haircut when he was nine from his mom. And uh, basically, we learned that Yang wrote a book in prison. Now, I have a question. Would you read the Yang book? No. Yeah. They make it seem like it's interesting, but, like, I just don't think... I don't know enough about her. It's like a Santa Barbara-related, like, crime spree. Like, who cares? Yeah. Um, Yeah. I'd be much more likely to read... Frankly, I'd be more likely to read Mary's book about it. Because, like, people are not very good at telling their own stories generally. (laughs) Yeah, correct. And so, yeah, Light, Lightly just starts talking about you – know, so Sean remembers exactly about how he was described mm-hmm. um, as – I forgot what it was, but it's a very glowing uh, – And then I, I remember Gus's, which is the fastidious wrinkle on the brow of Psyche, I think is the, the line. Yes, yeah. Um, 
And so Lightly points out the book and he says that none of this is possible in the book. He starts to point out little holes in the story about how Yang was working on this. Like it couldn't be possible that she was working on this by herself, essentially. Exactly. Yeah. So he's got some questions about the whole situation. And he suggests at this point that Yang wasn't working alone. And you know what? When you think about someone named Yang that isn't Asian... You think there might be a yin to that yang. Exactly. And what Sean concludes is that he didn't give racquetball a fair shake, which obviously it comes back at the end. And we learn that Mary Lightly never left Santa Barbara. He's been living there, still working the case. Um, Where did he come from again? I don't remember, but he's not. He's like, he works for like the feds or something. I don't remember. Or he's at least an mm-hmm. expert from out of town. But yeah. um, Sean gets creeped out by this and um, they decide to leave. Gus leaves a $20 bill for uh, the 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 meal, the, the pie. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, it's a bit of a creepy scene. Um, and we then see that Sean gets a copy of Yang's book signed by Yang and he's starting to read it. Um, and he, uh, he falls asleep at his desk. Yeah. But he's woken by a call in the morning and, um, looks like there's been a crime. And mm-hmm. so Gus and Sean head over to a very Vancouver looking scene. Yes. In the middle of the woods. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, it, look, it looks. I, I thought the murder victim was actually Laura Palmer. It looked a lot like her. I, given uh, that this episode's directed by James Roday and he's obsessed with Twin Peaks, that's I yeah. can is definitely intentional. I mean, yes, I think I, the I fact agree. that they go to a coffee shop for pie is. I mean, come on, I mean, what are we doing? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, one hundred percent. So they also can say that, like other James Roday directed episodes, this episode just looks so much better, and it kind of makes you mad that the other episodes just look like regular cable TV. <laughs> I know it's it's strange. It's an interesting thing. Yeah, but yeah, it was just it was too expensive. I mean, this is back in the day where they weren't giving the money to do that every episode. Correct. So yeah, we find out it's a white female. She's a victim. She's been strangled and she was dumped out in the middle of the woods. And um, apparently, the person that died was the person that served them their pie the night before at Mm -hmm. that diner that Mary, Gus, and Sean were at. So um, that's when we first get the idea mm-hmm. that there's a yin-yang killer. So yes. two people. And then there's two the overhead people. shot where Sean realizes that the woman's body and the rocks are laid out like a yin-yang symbol, um, which mm-hmm. is a cool image. And then we go to theme song, cut back to talking to Mary. Um, and he said apparently after Sean and Gus left, he didn't see her again. He didn't even pay the check, um, which pisses off Gus because he gave him the $20 bill. Um, but then they find a clue uh, that leads them to the next clue they find a symbol yeah there is um it's what buzz gets that right no well no well i'm talking about the piece of the pie having the symbol on it correct yeah well that's where they get it from oh the, so it's like a crossword puzzle 12 yeah across 12 down six 12 across down six across which is uh what was it like uh a seat find, location find me no well that i mean that's where they get later but the, the clue is find me um, it's a good man right. is hard to blank and blank myself and I, uh, so Buzz gets it. Um, he's, I believe Mary says that bailiff from Night Court is spot on. Um, mm-hmm. and Sean, he goes, he reverts back into yeah, original Yang mode where he's like, he's not going to do it. Yada, yada, yada. And he's, you should know by now it's not an option not to play the game. Correct. And so the police go in search of that clue while Sean and Gus go straight to the source, which mm-hmm. they go to Yang. Uh, do we have a real name for her? By no, just Yang. Okay. Yeah, they go to Yang, who's being held in solitary confinement in a psychiatric environment, which Sean declares is kind of being ironic because isn't it all solitary mm. confinement? Yeah. But So they meet her there, and uh, she seems excited to see Sean specifically. Mm-hmm. And uh, she mentions a book, and I think uh, Sean makes an Evil Dead reference. He says that Bruce no, Campbell's no, he said, well, yeah, well, no, that's not evil. Bruce Campbell's is more than just the Evil Dead. So that's the whole, the whole book is called "If Chins Could Kill: Confessions of a B Movie Actor." I think is what it's called. Is it uh, okay? It's, it's "If Chins Can Kill" mind. is definitely the name of the book. I, I forget if the subtitle mind. is that exactly, but um, yeah, it's a great title. He's got a great chin. Um, he does. He went over my head completely. Yeah. No, I mean that's not the. I just know that that's the name of his book because I'm a weirdo. Um, Correct. Anyway. So, uh, the, um, uh, Yang mentions that they do allow conjugal visits, but they would have to be married. I do love that he, Mary says, I am a fully ordained minister. 
Yes, yes, I do like that. I, like, I think Mary's so funny. Like, he's a character when I think when I first watched it as a kid, I, I was probably like 11 or 12 at this point. I, I didn't get a lot of, like, just how funny a lot of his jokes were, but... Um, and uh, I love that Sean says, this isn't Silence of the Lambs. And Gus goes, it's totally Silence of the Lambs. And then, because these are my favorite jokes in the whole show, that makes you Frankie Faison. I know! Yeah, Frankie Faison is uh, the, black, the guy from... Uh, the black guy from The Wire. He's in The Wire. Yes, the right correct, yeah. yeah. The chief. Yeah, but in, in Silence of the Lambs, he plays, like, the prison guard. Yeah, I need to watch that movie again. He's actually the only person, I believe, to be in... Silence of the Lambs, Red Dragon, and Hannibal. Was he? I think that, yeah, he's definitely in all those three. I don't think he's in Manhunter because that doesn't that would make any sense. But, um, but yeah, he's in those three. And White uh, Chicks. He was, yeah, he, I mean, he got, got a long career. He also was in the first episode of Marvel's Luke Cage. I, what, we just named Frankie Faison Fies, roles. Um, so, Henry uh, Pop Hunter. Yeah, he gets killed. That's, you know, the exciting incident in the show. Spoilers for the first episode. Oh, interesting. Cage. Got it. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, they're basically talking to her and about whether or not there's a yin. And she admits it. She said, I never said I didn't have a dance partner. There is a yin. And if you think I'm sick, you ain't seen nothing yet, was the quote that they used in all the commercials. I remember that. Um, and so, yeah, they decide that they have to, like, same thing with Yang. They have to retrace their steps, that this is all going to be involved with stuff they've already been to. So they go to the Hitchcock Festival Theater, and this is where we get to the seating thing you mentioned earlier. Correct. Um, yeah, so the clues are found in Hitchcock films. And so Sean starts – they all start the, kind of watching the seating thing. Films. The seating thing. I, I was teeing you up to talk about the seating thing. Yeah, 12 down, 6 across. Sorry, they all head over to the movie theater, 12 down, 6 across. And so that's when they find out or they discover that they were at the same – at the movie theater at the same time, um, they. I'm saying they because I don't know if they're a male or female at this point. True. And so Sean – the clue says that Sean missed the first 20 minutes, so he has to play catch up. Mm -hmm. And that's when Mary discovers that – or says that Yang is not the puppet master anymore. That Mm – sorry, Yang isn't. Yin Yin is. Yin is, yeah. Doing that. But you can say Yang he, had it's, Mr., it's Mr. Yin. So I think it's just helpful to say uh, yeah, fine. he. Yang um, had rules. Mm-hmm. Yin is the opposite of that. No rules. This is chaos. Mm-hmm. And so exactly. that's when they find out that themes and motifs of Hitchcock films is what's, what's going to dictate yes. the rest of this whole thing. And so yeah, apparently from Frenzy is the thing with the necktie around a waitress's neck. And so they have to divvy up movies and you know sean's like you i'll take the cannabis roll series and it's those are burt reynolds movies um but yes yeah, so there's a bit where they're watching some hitchcock he's watching um what is he watching uh i don't remember um and he falls asleep and there's a really cool dream sequence once again I, james already have directed episodes just i think are just more inventive and do more with the form where yeah. you know henry is uh, a movie theater by bellboy and then the the shot the oh, bit sure. Yeah, the, I'm not sure. The uh, the bit with Jules as uh, Janet Lee in Psycho is really well done. Um, and mm-hmm. then Lassie as Norman Bates. I mean, I think that just yeah. and then and then what does he remember about the the uh, hatted man at the theater? Uh, what is the know. one detail? What does Mary Lightly always wear? About a fedora hat? No. What does he always wear? You watched this 30 minutes ago fedora hat no mary lightly what does he always wear glasses ankle weights come on <laughs> oh ankle weights okay yeah yeah. i didn't catch that i didn't catch the ankle no, but that's that's why he thinks it's mary because he notices the ankle weights um, okay gotcha yeah and so he then thinks back about all and when they're doing yang he was so good at so he knew all the clues etc etc um but then when sean wakes up he sees that there's a clue uh right outside his window yeah, what, their uh, window was vandalized? Mm-hmm. It's psycho, a psycho. Yeah, psycho instead of psych. Mm-hmm. So at this point, Sean knows who Yin is, and that's when he mm-hmm. suspects that. he And he tells the police the next day that mm-hmm. Mary Lightly is Yin, mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Vic gives him, like, the, the green light to proceed with caution with a short leash because mm-hmm. there's no physical evidence. Mm-hmm. And so they ask for the next steps, and Sean decides they do nothing. They just wait for him to act on his next mm-hmm. whatever he's going to do. Oh, yeah. And then they'll just catch him red-handed. Mm-hmm. And so Mary comes in with a clue that apparently was left outside his front door along with a can of sardines. Suspicious. Uh, and it's basically that there are 39 steps by 12.05 <laughs> and, and make a wish. 
It was like, go north by northwest, 39 steps by 12.05 and make a wish, I think is what it is. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're all being passive, letting Mary guide them, etc. And But Gus puts it together that it's a northwest park and picnic because he plays d- dominoes with Jamaicans there on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, ton of Jamaican people in Santa Barbara. Um, so. like, Jamaicans are everywhere. You don't don't. I mean, hey, Burton Guster. I mean, if he has some of the same ancestry as Dulé Hill, there's a Jamaican in uh, in Santa Barbara. So don't, don't. There's a vibrant Jamaican population in all up and down the West Coast, which is probably sure. not true. But anyway, I'm bad. It is. Sure. Um, but yeah. So so Sean and Gus are going to take a detour. They're going to go somewhere else while the cops go to um, the location for this uh, game or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so they, Sean and Gus head over to Mary's house and mm-hmm. he is living a very disgusting life. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got a ton of like tuna cans. Sardines. Sardines. Um, Which is worse. Rat. Yeah, he's got rats. Well, he, you know, he's uh, got a pet rat specifically. A pet rat. Who's pet wearing rat. a, who's wearing a uh, dollar bill hat. Sorry, a $20 bill hat, which is fun. Yeah, and uh, you know he has the whole beautiful mind thing going on, where there's like pie written on the walls. Yes, and uh, uh, on the trim, and, and God, he the- says it's just as it's pie. And Sean says, "Don't be Topher Grace running on the beach at the end of In Good Company," which might be the most bizarre. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> just so a, I don't even know what that is. I know. I think it's a Harrison Ford. Movie. No, it's a movie where it's like Dennis Quaid plays like a guy at a company. And oh, his, and he, like, he's in love with his daughter. No, no, it's his, his daughter's boyfriend becomes his boss. Correct. He's like, yeah. 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 Um, and so we then cut to the park where Lassie's out running a toy plane a la North by Northwest. Um, yes. And uh, yeah. And so that's a really fun shot. Uh, I love the bit where it's, what are you wearing? Ankle weights? Of course I am. And so he's like, go on without me, which is a bit suspicious. Why would you say that? You know? Um, and as right. it's going on, so they see, in between. Yeah. Yeah. Sean finds a ticket stuff for the Hitchcock festival. Uh, and then a kind of like almost a shrine to the Yang case. Yeah. Um, with the, you know, the, the main focus being the picture of Sean and about all the things he's done and kind of like had to contribute in that case. Um, and yeah, it's like just further adding on to him being a freak. And so we cut back to the police at the park and they notice one of the clues was the 1205. There's a 1205 bus. that's about to take off from close to there. Mm-hmm. And we cut back to Sean looking through a notebook. It seems to be like a message for someone that they're writing mm-hmm. written several times. And um, yeah, I guess Mary had previously said he tried to stop Yin and he had a fedora. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Well, basically oh, I'll break it down. Yeah, yeah. So, Sean sees the clue. It's six, seven, 36 Laporte industrial lane. Come alone. Um, and, uh, as is when, um, Lassie and Jules meet back up with Mary, he says he'd try to stop a guy in a fedora on a bus, but they missed him by seconds. Um, so, you know, that's kind of, it's, it evidence is pointing towards Mary, obviously. Um, and so they end up staking out this address, uh, waiting for Mary to show up and Mary rides up. And uh, Lassie says, let's bag this degenerate, which is just some some great Lassie phrases. You know, I, he just is always. Um, but yeah, then uh, then what happens? There's a whole setup here. About. Um, when Mary goes inside the building and Lassie and Jules go around the back, what happens to Sean and Gus? Oh, yeah. So Sean gets like some they come across a bunch of cameras. Mm-hmm. And Sean gets they and they get stuck in the room. Most importantly, yeah, they get stuck in a room with like some Hitchcock like level stuff, and so that's when they realize that Mary is actually the victim, not the perpetrator. Yes, Mary so, is uh, Mary is Martin Balsam, not Anthony Perkins. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Mary Mary is Vince Vaughn. Sorry, Mary is William H Macy, not Vince Vaughn. Okay. Okay. Yeah, got it. Um, so we got like a clip. Uh, you know, like a. I guess it's an homage to Psycho. I mean, it's just the exact down. same shot. Is it? Okay, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a very famous shot, and it's. I remember there was a big discourse on Twitter where there was like a film professor who was saying that he was he hated that his Gen Z students laughed when he showed that clip. And like, I'm kind of... I think in the context of the movie, it is very compelling. But I think if you just see that and you're like a 20-year-old who hasn't watched a lot of older movies, I would understand why you think it's funny. Because it does look silly, but it is, you know... It's supposed to be impressionistic, not realistic. But anyway, that was a big uh, one of those days where I'm like, why do I use this website? It's just people being annoying. 
and then I logged on the next day. Um, and so anyway, uh, yeah, Mary gets stabbed to death. Uh, really sad stuff. Yes, it's uh, it's not good. You know, Jimmy Simpson is uh, you know, a guy we like. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he gets stabbed. And, uh, to death. Would you say? Would you say that that's a series wrap on Jimmy Simpson? Absolutely. No, it's not. He comes back as a ghost at least once. Anyway, continue. Oh my God, does he really? I ju- I'll say this. for the Psych the Musical episode. There's a fun bit. Um, but anyway, okay, uh, so I, also I, you just get the impression, especially based on like times you'll see like the Psych cast post like get meetups with each other. He'll sometimes be there. Him and Carrie Elwes are there a lot, and it's like they must just really get along with the rest of the like. Carrie Elwes is almost always there. Who's Carrie Elwes again? Uh, Despero. Oh yeah, that's right. I know there's another episode coming up with him. There's so. two more, I think. Um, yeah. Anyway, so uh, they end up getting out, finding Mary, and it turns out Mary just bought a flare gun. He, the things he was writing in his notebook were him trying to recreate the message, not uh, making himself. And mm-hmm. um, he asked Sean a very important question. Yeah, he asked him uh, to take care of Ben, mm-hmm. uh, which is his uh, his rat rat. And also ask him if there's racquetball in heaven. And now, have you ever yeah. have you ever played racquetball? No, never. Yeah, neither. Yeah, my family does not come from that tax bracket. You know, because I feel like you got to be yeah. in like a country club. Like only like f sports clubs have that. You know, like actually, nothing. There actually are racquetball courts, public racquetball courts in New York. But like any public court in New York, I would be so afraid that like I would get shit talked into. Jump walking off a bridge if I would have, you know what I mean? Like, I I don't have the mental constitution to handle that. Well, racquetball is just like what? It's like, uh, in the room? Is that the one in the room? Yeah, it's the one in the room. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, it's it's so crazy. Think about New York, which is so weird, is you'll see people who are like clearly not who never in a million years would play like squash because squash is like one of the richest people sports. But like in like bad neighborhoods in New York, there are parks that have squash like courts and you'll just see like kids playing it. It's like, hell yeah, that's fucking New York is so great in some ways like that. (laughs) Um, You can find everything in New York. I mean, you can't, I just love the idea. It's like some kid who would never play squash in a million years, but you know, anyway. Um, So they go back to Yang and she's doing her exercise time. Um, I feel like Ali Sheedy really enjoys this. She's definitely having a lot of fun. Um, oh, yeah. I respect actors by how... If an actor plays a villain and they don't have a lot of fun with it, I lose a little respect for them, you know? It's like really... Oh, she's couldn't. definitely milking it. Yeah. It's like, especially this thing, too, in like this age of like superhero movies, whenever like a big religious actor gets cast as a villain in something and they don't have a lot of fun with it, I'm like, why did you even say yes then? Like, Susan Sarandon, did you really need that blue beetle check? You didn't have that much fun. What was wrong with you? Um, anyway, that's, I'm, she just, I want her to have fun. She's a fun actress. You liked, you liked Blue Beetle, didn't you? I, I, I liked it more than I didn't. Yeah, it was fun. It was pretty good. You know that my Blue Beetle bombed so hard that two weeks ago, no, not two weeks ago, right before Christmas, I went to a movie at my local Regal and I asked for a regular medium and they had so many leftover Blue Beetle cups from August that I got this for free. Right. Yeah. I <laughs> uh, saw yeah. yeah. Um, it's a, this is a good cup, though. Well, Did you see that tweet, which is like, what is a man's version of a Stanley Cup? And it's like, the promotional cup you got at a minor league baseball game four years ago. <laughs> Dude, I wish I could have gone to a minor league baseball game. Dude, I'll say this. If I'm ever in Florida, fam- home with the family, and you're around, we'll go to the fucking... There's minor league baseball teams all over. I'll, I, we, we used to have season tickets to the Charlotte Stone Crabs in Port Charlotte, Florida. We'd go, we have 10 games a year. And I never went as an adult, but the thing that's great about it is that, like, these places just have, like, multiple full bars and, like, usually, like, grass seating areas where you just get bring a towel and just chill out. They have, you know, live music. It just, it's, like, just a great time. I love minor league baseball. Um, anyway. Anyway. Well, uh, I'm going to have to get used to that because Otani, Yamamoto, like, completely fucked all my plans. Right. Yeah, you're never going to see a Dodgers game again. <laughs> It's gonna be for it's gonna be so expensive. What are you talking I about? I know that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. So Yang is sorry about Mary hear about Mary. Um and uh she tells Sean that she gave him all the help he needs. You never judge a book by its cover. Yeah, you shouldn't. Um 
I'll tell you this, mm-hmm. as a person that reads books, mm-hmm. I constantly judge books by their cover. You got it. That's one of the dumbest phrases. Because why on earth would you make a cover that's not representative of the book? You know? Yeah. No, I love it. Like, honestly, if, like, if a book has a good cover, I'm going to probably read it. Or not yeah. probably read it, but like... If, no, if, I think it's... If it's a thing you're interested in and it has a good cover, also I think it's more that like it'd be hard for me to. I probably don't pick a book just because of its cover, but I can imagine seeing a cover and being like, "Oh, this doesn't seem like something I'd want to read." Yeah, 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 yeah. True. Like you know, let me. I wait. Where did I? Ah, oh, damn it! I used to have a. I used to have a, a couple books. My bookshelf is on the other side of the room because I. I had for a while. I had a friend of the Marvel show Stephanie Williams's book propped up in the background of my shots. Because I want, you know, uh-huh. like, move units. And that's a very good... Uh, it, it's a book about, like, dumb DC superhero characters. And it has ones like the guy who can eat any matter on the front. Because that's what you... You're interested in that. The guy who can eat a fence, you know? Um, yeah, anyway, cool. Shouts to Matter Eater Man. Um, so, she, he looks in the cover, the dust jacket, and he sees a little drawing. Yeah, there's, like, a picture of a girl. Mm-hmm. Um, very rudimentary one. Mm-hmm. Um, but while he's looking at that, he gets a call from the chief, and apparently Yin has sent another clue. Mm-hmm. So they have an address, and they are all to be there at 9 p.m., which is they are like the police, Sean, Gus, and Henry, because they're all involved in some capacity. And there's a movie set, and all of these people have been cast as characters from Hitchcock's, Hitchcock's canon. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And so, you know, the police aren't going to just show them, like, let them out to dry. So they're mm-hmm. going to have some people to support all of them. But, you know, it's kind of funny that Henry has to go in there after all, which he's more than willing to do. Mm-hmm. Yes. Specific- I mean, I think I respect his thing. Like, you know, last time I tried to stay out of this, I tried to, but like, I'm not going to you do that again. And so um, he created his own movie set, which is a really cool set. I really feel like they probably spent like a whole third of the season's budget on this episode um and so there's clues based on movies thankfully it's the clues are actually not that important but thank god um and so they go there and uh henry and lassie go to a car because it either can be something from marnie or the birds um marnie and marnie that's a thing it's a hitchcock movie yes i don't know what it's about but i have oh sean connery's uh, in that yes I have and Bruce a, Dern. I mean, Bruce Dern's been around for for fucking forever. I know, but I wouldn't picture him in a Hitchcock movie for whatever reason. I wouldn't really picture Sean Connery in a Hitchcock movie. Well, he's like British, at least, or like Scottish. Yeah, but yeah, it's true. Um, anyway. Um, early, so, early Hitchcock. Yeah. yeah. Um, I know that's not one of the necessary. I don't want to say it's not one of the canonical ones, but it's not like one of the top five that people see, um, which I probably said what are like Psycho, Vertigo, North by Northwest, The Birds. And I don't know what the fifth one would be. Oh, rear window. Um, yeah. And so uh, they get in there. And then Sean notices a wheelchair because he's supposed to be Jimmy Stewart. He does honestly a pretty good Jimmy Stewart impression. Um, yeah, it's not bad. Pretty good. Yeah. You know, you're talking about a lot. There's, what was, I saw someone do a tweet where it's like, Why, I'm watching It's a Wonderful Life. And he sounds just like the dog from, my, what was it, Homer Bound or whatever. <laughs> and it's like, and someone tweeted, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, and then mm-hmm. Gus goes to a lifeboat thing, like a life preserver thing. Um, and as Lassie and Carlton, it's not uh, Lassie and Carlton, Lassie and Henry are in the car. Mm-hmm. There's some rear projection. The doors lock. Um, and yeah, basically what ends up happening is that uh, Jules goes into Ernie's bar, and Jules and Gus are in the bar. And as this is happening, the comms are flooded by loud noises from Henry and Lassie. Yeah, there's a there's a whole uh, cacophony going on, mm-hmm. um, but you know Gus follows her onto there, and at this point we realize that Jules is Kim Novak from Vertigo. Yes, I never seen it. So now that I once again this I, sh- I pro- if I I had forgotten just how specific the Hitchcock references were, and I probably should have done some research, but also like you know. I don't know. I had to fucking watch Josie and the Pussycats. What do you want from me? Yeah, um, I mean, um, I haven't seen it, so it's. I truly cannot emphasize enough how good it is, which is an insane thing to say about that movie. Uh, anyway, um, it's on Criterion Collection. It can't be that bad. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, Gus finds her there. She mm-hmm. finds a clue. She pours a glass, and uh, she pours a glass of like in, from the tap, 
mm-hmm. and she falls to the floor. Gus follows her into there with the gun that she drops. And that's at that same point, Lassie and Henry get released from the car and they all, everyone heads over to the bar. Mm-hmm. And so what we find out is that Juliet's gone. Um, no one can find her. Mm-hmm. So we go to the next scene where the police are all at home or sorry, not at home at the station. Yep, they're at home. Yeah. yeah they're looking for <laughs> Juliet. Um, mm-hmm. And Sean, you know, concludes that this is all his fault. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Vic kind of reminds him that like, the tunnel wasn't on any of the schematics from where that, that, that they could figure out. And, you know, uh, there's nothing that Sean could have done about it. And Henry also says that Sean's mom is safe. Uh, mm-hmm. She's at a conference in New York. So yep. no need to worry about her either because she was mm-hmm. drawn into the last plot. Exactly. Yes. Sybil Shepherd won't be returning. Uh, you know, there are, uh, there are, you know, there are a couple um, unannounced guest stars in this, but Sybil Shepherd's not one of them. Um, Correct. and Gus reminds Sean because obviously Sean was just been distracted. Doesn't Abigail's flight back from Uganda get in tonight? And uh, yeah, it's coming in in a half hour, so they're gonna send Buzz McNabb to pick her up. And you know she's a bit, she's obviously you know stressed. Why is Buzz picking me up? You know he calls her Mrs. Light Miss Lightar, which is a bit you know rude. And at, once she gets put in the back of the police car. Uh, Buzz gets knocked out by uh, Mr. Mr. Yin, whose mask looks a lot like the mask magician but in these shots. I didn't get a good enough look at it. Um, I kind of thought it was borderline like the mask. Well, no, it couldn't have been. The mask from like uh, True Detective Season 2. When I really don't, I don't remember most of that. Colin Farrell gets like fucking shotgun blasted in the middle of the night. Oh, but he's wearing, right. Like, yeah. Mask. Yeah. Oh yeah, the crow mask. Yeah, that that was when it was, the season was still good because it seemed like it was about something interesting and not like fucking land deals. Um, Dude, that fucking scene was like so fucking good, and all of a sudden, like it's just yeah. I mean, I need the, to revisit it. I I should. But I don't think it's it, that bad. I don't think it's that no. bad in retrospect. The thing about it, there are a couple things. I think that the actual I was just disappointed by the mystery because I think the thing that what Nick Pizzolatto misunderstood is that the thing that people liked the most about the first season is that the mystery was fucked up it wasn't just that it was a mystery it was that it was like really 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 weird um mm-hmm. but i also feel like the big problem i have with season two is that whereas true Detective season one was like everyone being like to matthew mcconaughey like what the fuck is your deal man in true Detective season two everyone talks like matthew mcconaughey's character <laughs> like they all are like the world sucks man there's nothing good going on um anyway. well, but honestly like i'm i'll be honest with you Season one was good, but mm-hmm. the last episode was so fucking bad. I disagree like, with that. I, I know that that's a common opinion. I hate I don't it. Agree I hate that. it so much. I think it's so weak. I think it's just like they made it seem so supernatural. And this is before you got any other yeah. season. So yeah. it made it seem like, okay, there's like something crazy going on. Mm-hmm. And then like the spaghetti haired, like, uh, mm-hmm. God, just shut up. Just like stop. Stop. I it. mean, that's why I'm glad that Nick Pizzolato was not writing the new season because the man clearly just had a couple good ideas. Um, no, but everybody was dick riding the first season of that show. Still, to this I, day. I mean, I was one of them. I still dick ride it. Hello, still. Uh, I'm. It's all a great bored. show, but the last episode sucks compared to the rest of it. I once again, I know that that's a common opinion, and I don't agree with that necessarily. Why don't you agree with that? Please, I don't know because because I didn't really expect it to be a supernatural thing, and I thought that it was like a why well, everything else spelled it out to be that way. I don't know. I thought it was like a way that truly heinous things can get reinterpreted as supernatural by people that like it's it's that the extremity to how fucked up it is is on the level of being supernatural and that's why people interpret it as such i don't know i just i guess i never allowed for the possibility it was gonna be supernatural i did i just no didn't, see didn't i hate that shit i think that they, they made it seem that way and i felt the same way about uh shutter island they made it seem mm-hmm. like it was gonna be a certain way and like that's fucked up because it's really not Oh, sh- we we can't. We actually we might come to blows because I love the end of Shutter <laughs> I like that movie's good. I think that movie's good too. It was it was the biggest kindness they could do for him. No, it was good. It was a good movie, and like, trust me, I get it. But like, the trailers made it seem like it was something fucking else. That's and, fair. And the problem and the problem with the fucking show is that it made it seem it was supernatural until the very fucking last episode, and That's all fine. of a sudden it was just some like fucking freak. I mean, it was a cult that end of freak, but yes. Um... Anyway, so season three was better in that regard. That's that's I disagree. I think season three is good, but they I landed they landed it better. They landed it better than I fucking like season the one. idea of I, the thing I like about season three is it actually is kind of like the anti season one where it's like 
you can come up with exactly. the idea of like a, a cult with a chalkboard, but guess what? Most murders are just crimes of passion that happen randomly. You know what I mean? Like that's actually I, what it is. I agree with you in that it's the opposite because season three was okay to me until the end, which was like, okay, it was good. I think the and ending then, was really, like I said, I think the ending one, all of it was good until fucking the finale. And I'm just like, get this the, out of my face. The ending was a really good antidote to like annoying true crime culture where it's like, you know what? Most murders are not, don't need a, uh, board with wired and string, you know, like it's actually much simpler than that. It's that's not that. fine, but that's not what they were doing the whole season. So no, stop. what? I'm, it's, no, it's in season three. That's what they're doing. No, that, season that makes, one though. I did that. I think I. I this is just. I, we're never gonna get to a conclusion here. I just. I. I it's fine. Uh, anyway, so Sean gets a call from Abigail's phone, and that finale sucks. What? Who sucks? That finale sucks. Okay, that, you said that enough times. I know. I just want to like get in your head. That's fine. I, it, I'm, it's incredibly easy to get in my head. You were already in my head the first time you said it. Um, and so uh, he gets a call from Abigail, but it's Yin. And he says, we can't have our cake and eat it too. I'm forcing you to choose. Um, now, have you seen Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 yet? I have. I actually just... Okay, so did. it's basically this, you know, it's a similar situation. Um, and because Yin, Yin is... I would, say, I, would say it's, I would say it's more like Dark Knight. I mean, it, I guess it's no. It's the same thing, though. It, what's little? I mean, it's they're both they're yeah, both the same like, thing. but like Dark Knight is like the real like reference here. I guess, but I would say the thing about yeah, you're right. It is, it is. But I was just thinking about Mission Impossible because it's the idea of two women that he loves. Um, is you know, but or, it's two obviously women is, like, we should save there. That's true. Um, anyway. Rachel. Yes, yes, but of course he got tricked. Um, Wait, no, it was Rachel versus Harvey. No, yeah, it's Rachel versus Harvey. No, I'm talking about Mission Impossible with the two women. Is what I'm saying. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even remember what Haley Atwell's character's name was. That's ridiculous. Actually, do I remember her name is? <laughs> exactly. Um, let me think. Uh, I'll get. I'll get it by the end. Of it. It's. But she's great. She's. I love her. In the no, movie. she's really good in the movie. Yeah, I Anyways, actually really like that movie a lot. I think yeah, it's great. Um. So anyway, um, they can't save them both, and I love. You know, I think that's oh, it's always nice to confront because obviously in these TV her shows. Her name is Grace, by the way. Grace. Damn it! I was gonna get there. Uh. When uh, in, in TV shows like this, where there's like a will they, won't they, there's always the bit where they have a character date another character in it, and you kind of feel bad for the Abigail in this situation. And I like that Yin's kind of like, you can't do this, you know. What I mean, you can't still have the will they, won't they with Jules and date Abigail. Correct. Yin was right. Yeah, so it just makes me consider like, who the hell is Yin? It's a good question. We find out who it is, right? Yeah, and it's part three. Yeah. Okay. Good. If you if you can uh, you uh throw out any actors you might think um and uh if it's right you'll I won't tell you but it'll be fun anyway um so uh the clue for Jules is um I'll drop by half past four my hands well Jules actually like that Jules is the one reading the clue I'll drop by half past four my hands are on my face please come quick or this could be messy. And I think a very, very, very strong character moment for Jules is that she then shouts, Sean, you can still save Abigail. That she basically gives up her life on the phone, which I think is really powerful, honestly. Like, you know, we were just doing bullshit about True Detective or whatever, but, you know, I think that that, this is, I think the end of this episode is spectacular. Um, And, yeah, uh, yeah, she's tied to a clock. uh, And so they get that. Um, But there's an ethical dilemma because Jules is a cop and Abigail is a civilian. Yeah, speaking of cop, can I guess who the Mr. Yin is? Of course. Mm-hmm. Is it Peter Weller? Is it? It is. Did you just look it up? Yeah, I did. Asshole. <laughs> I don't give a shit about spoilers. That's the thing. I, I mean, it's and actually I doesn't. Recently, ch- also, it doesn't change anything because it's not like you see him beforehand. Um, right, and I yeah. just recently watched RoboCop, and like, what an amazing movie! So I know good. that's why. That's why I brought it up because I knew that you'd enjoy thinking about Peter Weller. But anyway. Murphy. Yeah, um, and so uh, they're gonna go to save Jules because Lassie's like, "No, I'm gonna save my partner," and mm-hmm. they don't know where Abigail is. And so uh, Sean says that you know we know where Jules is, so we should save her. And I think James Hardy plays this really well. They do like the shot where like they zoom in on him, which is really cool. Um, I forget what the name of that is. That's I didn't go to film school. Um, and uh, they then realize that. Um, Sean realizes that he has the clues. Much like, you know, Mr. Snowman, I gave you all the clues. Yang mm-hmm. gave him all the clues. Correct. And, like, right, be- right before this, um, mm-hmm. Henry's talking to 
Vic, mm-hmm. and he's saying that oh, right. he'll, he's going to take that job that she mm-hmm. gave him, which is to oversee all the consultants, essentially. And um, so, yeah, that's that's nice. Um, and so he'll take the job, and that's when uh, they they that's when Sean remembers a clue from the jacket, and there's like a little blue line. So that's where he decides that like she's underwater in some way. So they head to the only pier, I guess, in Santa Barbara, where she could be held at. And um, Henry and Sean head over there. And while they're there, Sean comes across uh, the mass magician, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and you know, instead of going after him, he mm-hmm. goes to Abigail because he sees that she's under the mm-hmm. floorboards of the pier. Mm-hmm. And so he dies in there and asks Henry for his knife, his Swiss army knife. Yes. And yes, they both Henry have Swisses. Correct. But Henry's is bigger. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so, you know, Sean uh, gets Abigail uh, freed from uh, her being because the tide's coming up. Yes. And she gets freed and they. Essentially, everybody gets well. She gets saved at first. Yes, uh, and at, you know they get her, and then what's at going the on kind time. of parallel is that they get to Jules on the clock tower. Clock but tower. the problem is, is that her the wire that's connecting her is electrified, and it's going to get cut when the uh, minute hand, you know, swipes Reaches by the hour hand or whatever, whatever. Yeah. So yeah, what what's the solution that Lassie and Gus come up with? Uh, they have to stop the clock from turning. So uh, Lassie heads up to the you know face of the clock, and uh, he can't figure out a way to stop it. So he just shoves his gun in there, which is typical Lassie, mm-hmm. uh, which stops the clock from like converting over to mm-hmm. whatever time it's, it was going to be. Yeah. And yeah, so everyone at this point appears to have been saved. Mm-hmm. Um, Sean tells calls Gus and tells him that yeah. Yin yeah. was there, but he had to let him go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And essentially, this game is not over. It will continue. And mm-hmm. he also thanks Gus for being there to save Jules because he wasn't mm-hmm. there. Exactly. And so Henry and Sean hug. They, uh, you know, give each other the Swisses. And uh, Sean and Abigail sit down on the pier. They Earlier, they noted that it's, you know, ironic that they're on this pier when that was where he abandoned her when they were teens. Yes, um, correct. And Yin goes deep on Sean lore. Um mm-hmm. And Sean's kind of like, he's basically going to profess his love at this moment because he's like, this must mean something. What if I said I was willing to compromise and meet you halfway? And, you know, Abigail, you you know, you might not expect this because, you know, it seems like the buddy's like, no, she's like, she doesn't, she basically breaks up with him. It's like, you make me feel, you make me laugh, make me feel crazy, but I can't do anything if I'm dead, which it's refreshing because I feel like in so many TV shows, when like a wife or girlfriend gets put in danger, they never the rational reaction should be i can't do this <laughs> right that's what she says as long as he's chasing crazy serial killers and mm-hmm. murderers all across santa barbara she can't be involved with them mm-hmm. um and so we get like a band of horses song playing in the background yes and you know yep. just plays their relationship out essentially i think this is the last time we see yes. her probably yes yeah. i'll say this the, one of the problems with very, very serialized TV is that we don't have end-of-season uh, montages to sad music. I, I'm always a fan. I'm a, I'm a fan of this. I'm a fan every time any show's ever done it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, for um, sure. And there's a bit where... What, a bit I think is actually really, really, really well-acted is where you see Jules kind of freaking out, yelling at someone, and then Lassie comes up, and she's yelling at him, and then she starts just crying profusely in, like, a way that, like, feels, like, real... Is this real- because... Is this because Sean didn't go after her first? No, it's because she almost died. <laughs> oh, okay, I wasn't, I wasn't sure. I, I, it feels the reason I like it is because it feels a rare time where it feels like someone is. I think because you don't have to hear it, it f- like looks like the way that people actually cry, not like movie crying, where it's very, in movie it's like, <laughs> whereas in real life it's like, <laughs> you know, that type of thing. Yeah, um, visceral. and you, you know, real visceral. Because I mean. Yeah, I'll say this, if I got fucking hung from a clock tower and almost died, if not for someone shoving their gun into a clock, I would be pretty fucking traumatized. I just think about Psych right now. Sorry, not Psych. Uh, Monk. Oh, yeah. I mean, this thing is, both of these epi- <laughs> both of these murders were murders that happened on, almost happened on Monk, with Andrew McCarthy, and then the Tide is Mr. Monk, uh, what is it? Um, Mr. Monk and the other detective with Jason Alexander's mom. Mm-hmm. 
Remember, there was the loud. No, remember, remember, his mom gets tied up to the pier. It's like there's a loud bat clang, and there's a thud and a clang, a very thud and a clang. That remember the bit? I don't remember that. No. Nope. Well, she's she's at the pier. He's hearing like this carnival, um, and they go to Mary's funeral, wear rackabout and uh, outfits, and uh, mm-hmm. we see Yang in her cell. We see Yin taking off his hat, and he has a little photo in his office. And what is the photo of? Yeah, it's a picture of young Sean and Yang uh, mm-hmm. when they were younger. Um, and yeah, that's where we kind of leave the episode. Yeah. So, so what, what do you give uh, this episode out of 10? This episode? Oh, I gave it honestly probably an, either a nine or a nine and a half. I'll say a nine. I gave it a nine as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was really good. Yeah. Um, I don't remember what I gave the Yang episode. I think, this, I think this is the weakest of the three, but I think it's still really good. No, it's really good. Um, yeah. I yeah. like it a lot actually. Yeah. And it comes off like, you know, kind of like a run of the mill last four episodes. Yeah. I'm looking at my ratings. Yeah. Like, I was yeah. really not a huge fan, except for the one, um, a very Juliet episode. Which yeah, a very Juliet episode's good. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it. it's. And what was your favorite episode of this season? This one, I think. Yeah. Let me actually is double check one, what my. The, cl- the closest one to this is. Uh, there's eights. Uh, oof. Seven, eight, eight, seven point five, seven. I for me, it's either this or High Top Fade Out, one of the two, which is the one with Gus's uh, acapella group. Yeah, yeah, eight out of ten. I had it for a few of them. Um, but this, yeah, if, they, if yeah, I think I think this is your highest rated. I, I this is my highest rated by far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it might be yeah. like series wise. Yeah, it's a great episode. Like I said, honestly, basically any of the James Roday directed episodes are great. I don't think he directed it. I'm trying to think if there's any of them that I don't, don't like. Um, but yeah, and uh, Andre, where can people follow you on Twitter? Follow me at Andre Barrera. And you can follow me at the J Christie. Please rave, you subscribe, share the show with the biggest life in your life, and tune in next time as we start season five with, you said you liked um, a very Juliet episode. We're starting season five with Romeo and Juliet. Juliet. Mm-hmm.